You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is your faithful editor and host, Michael Litchens, here once again. And here's a voice that should be familiar with all of you. He's been on the podcast several times. He's always on Catholic Radio, on Catholic Answers, EWTN. You've probably seen him on EWTN. I'm here with Dr. Kevin Vos, an author who has written many books for us here at Sophia Institute Press. But today we're talking about a special anniversary, which, yes, authors, like everyone else, celebrate anniversaries. And this year is the 10th anniversary of his best-selling book, Memorize the Faith. Dr. Kevin Vost, is a psych- he's taught psychology at the University of Illinois at Springfield Community College. He's recently retired to commit himself fully to writing. And he's also uh, one of the most epic workout guys I've ever met, written quite a bit about it. So it's always a pleasure to talk to him to talk about just about everything that's on his mind. So Kevin, thanks so much for coming and gracing us with your intelligence again. Oh, thanks so much for having me on again, Michael. It's our pleasure. So to dive right in, tell us a little bit about Memorize the Faith. This is uh, something you claim you can use to mystic understanding of the mind to teach people how to memorize just about anything in the Catholic Church. Is that right? Yeah, it just about is. Just to give a little background there. Sure. My own story. You know, I grew up Catholic. In my late teens, I came across these atheistic writers, and they through them I lost my faith through oh. rational reasons. I called myself an atheist for 25 years. Uh, during that time away from the church, I studied psychology, got a doctorate in psychology, and my specialty area became memory, particularly memory improvement, like how do we improve uh, school children's abilities to learn you know, academic material, and also memory at the end of life. I uh, did an internship in an Alzheimer's center, so we studied what happens with Alzheimer's and what happens with normal aging you know, to your memory. And we also did some work with uh, individuals with different kind of brain damage, seeing if there's a way were ways we could help them compensate for memory problems. So so again, memory was always a big a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Well, early forties, to my great surprise, I ended up reading St. Thomas Aquinas for the first time, and believe it or not, my atheism was gone. Uh, <laughs> all these all these arguments that I'd read for the last 25 years, I hadn't realized how thoroughly St. Thomas had demolished them over 700 years ago, you know, borrowing from philosophers and church fathers who wrote long before him. So, you know, thanks be to God, in my early 40s, and I was back into the church. Now, when I was away studying Mary, I remembered that when I looked into the history of these techniques, St. Thomas Aquinas was one of the key figures. It was actually ancient Greeks and early Romans that developed these techniques originally, but St. Thomas and his teacher, St. Albert the Great, studied these methods, studied the way uh, memory works, and kind of took them and ran with them, and actually gave us uh, advice on how we can enhance our memories and apply them to the faith. So at that point, then in my early 40s, I broached this idea of the book that became Memorized to Faith to to John Barger, who was the uh, publisher of Sophia at the time, and my editor, Todd Agliardo, at the time. And it was kind of an unusual book, but thank God they were willing to take the risk came up with this idea that we could actually apply these old methods to learning things about the faith from the Ten Commandments all the way up to, to all the books of the Bible. So so that was about 10 years ago now. And, and that decision just opened up all these doors for me because all the things I've done in Catholic writing and Catholic speaking have all come about because they said yes to this idea of the book Memorize the Faith. And so what's the basic outline of it? Like how can we use uh, what you call our mansion to, to improve our memory? Sure, sure. The, the basic method is called the method of uh, loci or loci for locations. 
This is the method the ancient Greeks and Romans uh, discovered. And the way I use it in Memorize the Faith is you just go through the rooms of a house, just a, a modern house, and it's actually patterned loosely after my own house. And you walk in, for example, in the foyer, and the, the front door is location number one, the doormat is number two, a little glass panel next to the door is three, and a picture on the wall is four, and so on. You work your way through this house, and when you, you memorize these locations, which are illustrated in the book, and we've got a picture there for you, then mm -hmm. you take any information you want, turn that into an image, place it in that location, and it's amazing how well it helps you remember. To make this really concrete, Okay, I so said number, number four in that foyer was a mm -hmm. portrait on the wall. And the first time I go through the book, I say, imagine that portrait is a portrait of your parents there. You know, your own portrait, your own parents in my house. Well, why is that? Our first tour through, we're memorizing the Ten Commandments. And the fourth one is to honor your father and your mother. So these memory systems work that way. They make abstract information very easy to grasp, just turn into simple little images and then lay them out in an exact order that locks in the exact sequence of whatever it is you're trying to remember. Excellent. And now is this a system that folks can use? Like I'm going to use myself as the example. I frequently forget where I put anything or why I walked into a room. Is this a system that can work for folks who are absent-minded like me? That's the thing. There's something called prospective memory, which is mm -hmm. a for things you're going to do uh, in the future, you, you can use these in, in advance if there's things you have to do like a to-do list. But that, that simple absent mind, that, that's a bit of a challenge, even with a method like this, because a method like this does take focused attention. And sometimes we lose when we lose things it's because we're not paying attention or we're, being, or we're paying attention to things besides what we're doing with our Yes. So, so the main advice I give there is, you know, Thomas calls it virtues habits. Uh, including memory, that you like to develop the habit of using this technique. But if you mm -hmm. want to be careful about losing your keys to your cell phone, I'd recommend there, try to get into a habitual pattern of where you put that stuff. Because uh, otherwise these methods aren't exactly adapted for that. But, but another lesson that, that even flows from things like losing your keys to your cell phone, well, what do we do typically when that's happened? Chances are we retrace our steps. You know, where was I? What was I doing? We work our way backwards. So that illustration even there shows how memory is not something that you just have. It, it's mm. something that can be enhanced by your reasoning abilities. Your ability to think and reason can enhance your ability to remember. Excellent. And this was a method you mentioned that it was used by ancient people, but most famously Thomas Aquinas, who was able to memorize great, vast details. And this was uh, similar to the system that he used, what you're proposing in Memorize the Faith? Yeah, actually, you know, most people probably don't realize this because if you're familiar with the Summa Theologica, it's a million and a half words. Uh, most mm -hmm. editions is over 3,000 pages in double column print. Mm -hmm. I actually ordered a hardcover edition that's both Latin and English, and the shipping weight was over 40 pounds. Oh, my so, gosh. So, you know, there's a lot to the Summa Theologica, but it's just really one little page, almost right in the middle. The second part of the second part, the 49th question, the first article, he talks about whether memory is a part of the virtue of prudence or, or a practical wisdom. And it's in there that he briefly lays this out. And just put it in a nutshell, he gives four main, main things that you have to have to perfect your memory. Now, now, two of these we already know about. If you want to remember something, you've got to pay attention. You know, part <laughs> of the reason we forget our keys is that we're not paying attention. Yes. Also, you know, everyone who's gone through school, we all know if we want to remember something, if we're studying, we need to rehearse or repeat. 
Okay, you know, we don't just do it just once and it's just not automatically there. So we practice. But the two special elements he talks about are, one, taking information and turning it into something you can make into an image, something that you can lock your senses into. Even for abstract information, we can do this. Turn the abstract into the sensible, into an image. So something like, you know, honoring your parents in the fourth commandment, we've turned into something as simple as a photograph of, of your parents. Okay, mm -hmm. so making, turning anything into a visual image, that's the key element Thomas gives there, the third part. And the fourth is to have a system of organization or order. Because we remember things best when we know the sequence where one thing leads to the other. And that's where we get this idea of things like memory mansions, where you walk through a house, the parts of a house, you know, one step after the other. It's something we do every day in our lives. We're very familiar with it. So it really does help us remember things in an amazing way. And again, remember things in their exact order. And once you use these methods, I mean, I say literally forwards and backwards, because you can remember things as easily backwards as you can forward once you fully master these methods. And there was a one young fellow, John Paul Fitzmaurice, several years ago who made headlines for memorizing all the popes. Can you tell us a little bit about him and how he used your system? Sure. It's an interesting story. I got an mm -hmm. email one day from a mother of a 10-year-old and said her son, John Paul, was interested in uh, memorizing all the popes in order. And at the time, there were 265, and they read Memorize the Faith, wanted to know if I would help. And I must admit, at first, I was sitting here thinking, you know, is this really... Is this possibly biting off a little more than he can chew? That's that's quite a memory test there. 265 in order. And these, you know, aren't just all, you know, uh, Pope John's. These are people like Ulatherius and Zosimas. You know, they've got some really challenging <laughs> names to boot. And we know they're like, you know, 16 and, and 23 and so forth of, of some of these. So anyway, uh, I helped him using the methods and memorize the faith. It lays out a house with 60 locations. So they were using the first 60 locations in that book to get to lock in the first 60, okay? Then I recommended they make further memory houses out of their own house, which they did. Of course, there were so many popes, they even ran out of space in their home too. So they used the route that they took to go from their house to church instead of different landmarks along the way until they told me finally the last locations were the last five popes who John Paul imagined were celebrating around the altar at his own parish church there. So anyway, lo and behold, about oh, five or six months later, I got a call from a, a young, unfamiliar voice. It was John Paul. He says, I got him. I did it. So he had, he'd recited these popes, uh, you know, all of them for the parish priest. And they made a pretty big to-do about it. The, the priest mm -hmm. himself had read Memories of Faith. And, and for the parishioners, he, he reeled off the names of all of our presidents. Wow. Uh, and so people were like, wow. He's like, no, no, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Then he called little John Paula. And John Paul named all the popes while his father stood there with one of those pope charts that has the little medallion images of all the popes and showed how he did that. And really, it kind of captured interest. Catholic News Agency took up the story. So once we were actually approached by uh, ABC News out of Rochester, New York, and they, they interviewed John Paul and his mom in one segment and then brought me on in the next segment. So it was a very, very interesting story. Now, that they told me later a further motiva motivation behind this that was rather amusing. Uh, it ends up their parish priest had been a high school teacher at a Catholic high school. And he had a standing challenge to all of his high school students that if anyone could memorize the names of all the popes in order, he would give them $100. So I believe <laughs> John Paul actually ended up getting 100, 100 bucks out of this, too. Good for him. Hey, he earned it. He sure did. <laughs> and so this could be used. I mean, he was 10 years old at the time. So this really 
this idea of building a house of memory, it could be used for people who are young, old, really anyone of all ages, right? Yeah, actually, when I did my master's uh, research on memory improvement, you know, surveying what they try to do with younger children and adolescents and college students and older people, I kind of came to the conclusion that about uh, fifth to sixth grade, about 10 or 11 or 12 years old, is about the ideal age to really get started in these things. Mm-hmm. So you have those reasoning abilities, you know, you have the language, you have the ability to form images, and yet you've not gotten old enough to be overly skeptical about these techniques and everything. Oh, they're not going to work. So he was almost a prime example of a, of a young person at the age where they had the capacity to use these techniques. So it was very encouraging uh, to see that John Paul was able to do that, even at 10 and 11 years old. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not quite up on psychology, but it uses quite a bit of the imagination to engage in memory from what it sounds like. Y- yes, it, it sure does. Uh, there was even a case where I did in clinical work of a man who'd had a portion of the left hemisphere of his brain, uh, the hippocampus structure in the left temporal lobe. He had to have it removed because he had uncontrollable seizures and they were you know, starting there. Oh my. And that particular area of the brain on the left side for most people is intricately tied into language abilities and verbal memory. And his verbal memory was almost awash. You would give him a list of, of words and half an hour later, he wouldn't remember a single one of them. Now, these memory techniques use language ability, but they also use the visual image abilities that tend to, to be uh, to start in the right side of a person's brain. Now, this man had a totally intact right hemisphere, and we did an experiment using these techniques on him, and even this man was able to profit from them and greatly improve his ability to memorize things because he was converting this verbal information into the visual images. So it's kind of an, an amazing uh, success story that for certain types of brain damage, these can be helpful. But I will say, for a person who's already in the throes of Alzheimer's, these are not likely to help because they sure. suffer damage on, on both sides uh, of the brain. Oh, no, absolutely. But it's still impressive that someone who had a part of his brain removed was able to help build up his memory using the imagination and these techniques. That's, I never knew that before, so I'm very impressed by that. Yeah, we were, we were very you know, pleased to see that this was possible. Certainly. I know you published this. This has been going on for 10 years. What are some other great success stories you've heard from folks? Yeah, you know, over the years, you know, through people who contacted me through email or their, their, their stories on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, it's just been kind of fun to see what some people have done with it. I know for a time I was in correspondence with a high school Spanish uh, teacher down in Florida who's adapting these methods to help the kids learn the Spanish vocabulary. I've had people tell me it's helped them learn Latin vocabulary, you know, forming these images. That the, the images would mean what the words sound like, you know, convey both the meaning and the sounds. Uh, I know there was a man studying for the priesthood who uh, was trying to learn the Chinese language because he was going to minister to the Chinese. And he told me he actually crafted a, a, a mansion of 50 rooms with 10 locations per room. So this would house 500 different bits of information that he used to store uh, Chinese vocabulary. Uh, other people have told me they've used it to help him study things like for the bar exam, you know, the, the Latin terminology and all, all the law. So they really can be applied to just about anything. And I will say, too, their original history, they were used most prominently by public speakers because they would use these methods, you know, not to memorize their speech word by word. You'd have a, get a big risk there to get all off track. They would just memorize their, the key ideas they wanted to touch on, you know, in their exact order. Then this would leave them free to deliver their talks. So myself, that's one of the main uses that, 
that I get out of these techniques right now. Whenever I do a talk, an old talk or a new one, you know, I use these memory methods so I can speak freely without using notes. So there's just all kinds of possible adaptations. And in terms of uh, building memory house, things of that nature, how quickly or easy is it for folks to learn this method? Well, you know, it, it will vary because mm-hmm. there's visual learners, verbal learners that would come more easily for some than for others. But for the majority of people, uh, I would say if you would sit down and read, oh, because because the book you set up is, is a complete tutorial, you know. Yes. You walk step by step. Sometimes you're even, you, we go through it backwards. We repeat it a time or two, you know. So it's designed, if you carefully and slowly go through the chapters one by one, you're probably going to master that material in a relatively short time. I know one Amazon reviewer saying that like in about 45 minutes, he'd mastered all the books of the Bible, you know, in their exact order by using this technique. And I find that's something helpful for me because I'm constantly in my writing, you know, and, and reading, going back and looking for biblical passages. But this way you don't have to look at the table of contents, you know, because you remember the exact order in which the books come. Certainly. And do you see any benefits to the spiritual life for being able to put all this to memory? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And again, you know, that, that was part of the reason that St. Thomas Aquinas and Albert thought it was important. They considered mm-hmm. memory a part of the virtue of prudence or practical wisdom because they said basically to achieve virtuous goals, virtuous acts in the future, you're going to act in the present guided by what you've learned in the past. So if you apply these memory techniques to the essentials of the faith, you know, then you're going to have them, you're writing them in the tablets of your heart, you know, like the Proverbs tell us. Yes. You have them there, you, you can think about them, you can chew on them when you're, when you're stuck with nothing to do, you know, you can think back, what are the Ten Commandments and how am I living them up my life? You can use them as an examination of conscience also before confession, you know, if you've memorized the Ten Commandments, if you've memorized, you know, the, the deadly sins and so forth. So there are a variety of ways that you can use these methods as a, as a first step to go deeper than just, you know, memorizing words. They're a next step into a deeper level of meditation and understanding. And for you, what are you, would you say are the biggest challenges for people to adopt this system while they're reading it? Sure. You know, well, one thing is people always often say, you know, if they're going through like my demonstration of Ten Commandments, you know, we don't just go through the Ten Commandments. You know, we have these ten parts of the room. Then mm-hmm. we have these ten fantastic, you know, images that we make up. And then the Ten Commandments. So people are almost saying, yes, you're making me memorize three times as much stuff. Well, in a sense, at the beginning, you are. There is additional information. But once you learn things like the parts of the house, the, the locations that are numbered, you reuse them again and again forever for entirely new sets of information. So like this small investment of time up front then pays off immensely later. Also, it may take you time at first if you create your own images. But in the book, you know, I do all that for you to start you out. Mm-hmm. But again, the more a person uses the system, the more fluent they become. So I would say, you know, I compare sometimes to weightlifting, you know, when you start out, the littlest weights seem heavy. But if you stick with it and, you know, throw them around long enough, those little weights are going to feel pretty light and you're going to go looking for some bigger ones. So again, the memory method kind of works that way. It does take some effort and training, especially at first. But the more you work with it, the likely, the easier it's going to become. And a lot of people say too, it's kind of fun. You know, it's a capacity of thinking that we don't often use. And it kind of feels Mm -hmm. good in a way to realize, wow, I didn't realize my, my mind could do that. Absolutely. Then to switch gears a little bit, because we're running out of time here, you've written many books since Memorize the Faith. Like we said, this is 10 years old now. 
but you're working on already a new book coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. In a way, many of my subsequent books have kind of, their seeds have been there and memorized the faith. Yes. And there's one chapter there in Memorize the Faith on the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that is the one I'm working on right now, you know, not just to know their names, not just to know that they come from, you know, Isaiah verses one and two, but to dig deep. Exactly. What are those gifts of the Holy Spirit? Why do we talk about them in the church and how do we make, take advantage of them? How do we use them and grow, you know, you know, have spiritual growth through them? And, and again, you know, for me, I, I always borrow from St. Thomas Aquinas, partly because he borrowed from everybody else, you know, the, the scriptures and the church fathers. And again, in the spirit of Thomas, I try to borrow from the people who came after Thomas, too. So that's a project I'm really excited about right now, to drill down deep into the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and try to you know share some of that with readers. Ah, yes, and I'm looking forward to that as well. And now, finally, uh, as we wrap up this conversation, if folks want to learn more about you, Memorize the Faith, or any of your other many books, where can they go? Sure. The first stop could be my own website, drvost.com, which is just dr vost.com. I don't sell the books myself. The, the majority of them are written uh, through Sophia Institute Press, so that would be another place to go. You mm -hmm. can also ask uh, your local uh, bookstore for these books. Certainly, and yes, Memorize the Faith is still selling on Sophia Institute Press. It's never gone out of print, we're very proud to say. I hope it never goes out of print personally, but we you never know. So we'll have that on sophiainstitute.com. You can go to catholicexchange.com as well to find this book and many other books by Dr. Vost, as well as his links to his website. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on here, telling us a little bit about Memorizing the Faith. This is a very intriguing system for someone who studies Thomas, and I think many parents, folks who just want to improve their memory, and probably not a few CCD teachers will be very interested in this. So thanks so much for coming on here today. Well, you're most welcome. I am always very thankful to Sophia Institute Press for making this book actually happen. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Once more, you can go to CatholicExchange.com. We'll have links to Kevin's website as well as to his books. If you have any questions, you can email me, editor at CatholicExchange.com. That's editor at CatholicExchange.com. Happy to hear your questions. If you want to know more from Kevin or see if he can uh, help you memorize, you know, drop us a line. We'll be happy to help. Otherwise, God love you. Have a wonderful week.